1: We're also going to hit a good question of how do you help your kid connect to God if they're not verbal yet. And then we are also going to talk about the movie Coco. And uh, what do we do with movies that feature the afterlife? Uh, What do we do with those? So it will be all on today. But first, recently I have been obsessed with the song This Is Me, From The Greatest Showman. If you haven't seen The Greatest Showman, you should. It is uh, a musical that uh, recently came out this year. And it's about the story of P.T. Barnum, uh, who, like, in real life, wasn't a desperately nice guy. But in this movie, he's wonderful. And he goes around and he sort of collects people with different physical differences and sort of gives them a home in the circus and, uh, and in the midst of this whole journey. One of the characters, the bearded lady, Letty, uh, sings this song called This Is Me. I essentially have sung it nonstop for like a month. I love it so much. Slash, like, act out everything and do the, try to figure out the choreography. Like, I'm kind of obsessed about the song. And we we want it for several different reasons. I just want to, to read you those lyrics now. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a flood, going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised. I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Because look out, because here i am come and I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. The lyrics are meant to be this deeply empowering song. It's hailed as this epic song of self-affirmation and confidence. And we want that for our kids. Childline just had their 30-year anniversary and they came out um, with this these information, the statistics, 35,244 calls from children who wanted to talk about their lack of self-confidence, who wanted to talk about their low self-esteem. Children who felt so... Pained about how they felt about themselves, that they felt they needed to call Childline thirty five thousand two hundred forty four, and the even scarier statistic on that is that that was up nine percent from the previous year. It grew nine percent year on year, and so the world has sort of said we need to address this issue. This our children are having a massive lack of confidence. What are we going to do? And so we have song after song after song coming out. To try to bolster our kids' self confidence, to help them come up with some language, some mantra, some uh, something to say and believe about themselves, and it. It doesn't seem to be working. I mean, in 2014-15, in which was the the statistic, the 35,000, the year before that, they had a huge number of very bold songs like Katy Perry's Roar and Lady Gaga's Born This Way and Megan Trainor's All About the Bass. You had all of these songs of self-esteem, and yet self-esteem calls went up. A lack of self-esteem calls went up by 10%. The message that the world is trying to give our kids to claim for themselves isn't working. And I think I know why. I'm not saying I'm a genius, because I could be wrong. But I I think when we look at Scripture, what I see isn't all of the biblical heroes embracing this message. If I think about the people who I consider the most confident in Scripture, you know, Moses, and, you know, he's like, oh, I'm just going to go talk to a king, and then I'm going to walk out with an entire population of people. Or I look at Joseph, who's leading a nation. Or I look at Mary, who's like, I'm willing to bear the brunt of everyone's misunderstanding about my past. And I'm going to do it. Deborah, who led a led a nation and judged everything. If I look at all of these people that I absolutely admire and want to be like Esther, who walked in and faced death, When I think about how did they get that, how did they get that confidence to accomplish those things, to do those things? I do not think they woke up in the morning and John the Baptist would wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, John, you are about to talk to some kings. And I just want you to know, John, you can do this. You are perfect just the way you are. Don't let them break you down to dust. You are brave. You are bruised. You are who you are meant to be, John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the one that said, I must decrease. He, Jesus, must increase. I look at Moses, who who had a, a massive crisis of confidence at the beginning, and yet God didn't rush in to say, you are perfect just the way you are. You just stand up and yell, this is me, Moses. He said, I am with you. I look at Mary, and I just can't imagine her spending a lot of time focusing on herself and thinking how brilliant she is. I just don't see, this is me, and I'm perfect just the way I am being how all of our biblical people discovered self-confidence. I think instead they had three statements, three truths that they hung to. One, God is awesome and holy, and he loves me totally. Two, God is daily shaping me to be more like him, and I'm not finished yet. And three, I'm invited to be a small part of God's wonderful plans. See, I don't think our kids answer to the crisis of self-confidence is more of them. I think it's more of God. I think it's helping them figure out that they are imperfect people who God is daily shaping to be more like him, that they are absolutely loved in their imperfectness. They're going to be different tomorrow than they are today. And even in the middle of their imperfectness, God is shaping them and is delighting in them, is going to use them to do powerful things. And so next week... We're going to be looking at uh, how do we help our kids with labels, with everyone who's going to be labeling them and us wanting them to have good labels of being being good and kind and, and perfect just the way they are. And we want to give them all these positive labels and other people want to give them these negative labels of you're too fat or you're not good at maths. And how do we negotiate all those labels and help them figure out who they are well? But in the meantime for this week, my main question to you is what is your journey of confidence? What are your worries about it, about yourself and about your kids? What do you believe about what God has been saying to you about you? Sometimes as parents, we just need some space to think about ourselves before we figure out how to do it with our kids. And this week, I just pray that you and God have a really interesting journey of talking about confidence between the two of you. And so I just want to pray for you. God, this stuff is huge. It's huge. Our confidence just cuts to the core of who we are And what we are called to do on this earth. And sometimes, God, it's really, really, really hard. And we want the best for our kids. We want our kids to be able to walk in confidence. We want our kids to know who they are and be confident in in who they are and how they walk with you and what is happening next for them. We want them to have no fear. And so, God, as we wade into this over the next three sessions... I pray that you would keep our hearts peaceful and calm. But most of all, God, I pray that you would speak truth to our minds and our hearts. That as we open up really, really deep and powerful things in us, that you would help us see what you're saying, see what's going on in us, that we may help our kids walk free. In Jesus' name, amen. The question we have today is, how do I help my under fives connect with God, particularly when they're too young to have many words or have much concentration? And that's a great question. Connection with God is more than just talking. It's being aware of where he is and what he's doing. And it doesn't need any words. It's, it's about two-way expression, two-way connection between God and his children and they will find their own path. God made our kids. He knows how to connect with them. He knows how to understand everything that comes out of their heart, the thoughts of their heart and the, the feelings that they have. And so I trust that they can have a really deep connection, whether or not they have any words. And so I'd suggest three things for helping under fives kids or kids who are struggling with words uh, or who are nonverbal. Uh, or struggle with with concentration, Uh, whatever it is, one, expect that they are in a journey with God, that whether they are tiny babies, whether they uh, are older but nonverbal, whether they're still struggling and only have one or two words, God is present and seeking them out and talking to them and has a relationship for them. Uh, right now. And so expect it, watch for it, look for it. Uh, there are so many times that I uh, look at kids and you sort of think, oh, well, they're too young for this. And then you discover that God Himself has been talking to them and giving them dreams. Uh, my kid was deaf, and one day I came in and saw him just playing. He was very young, uh, I think he was like 18 months. And uh, I sort of came in and assigned to him, What are you doing? And he, he just signed back playing with Jesus. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> Ah! And I sort of left it. He was just very happily just in a room playing with Jesus. And uh, I realized how low my faith was about the fact that uh, kids have a connection with God. And there are so many times you can see your babies responding to when you pray for them. And I, I believe God has a deep connection for them now. So, one, expect it. Uh, two, do lots of framing. Treat God as if He is in the room because He is. And as kids, um, learn words and as they uh, begin to understand what reality is it's really helpful that we frame for them what's going on from when you're calming a, a tiny baby and they're crying and uh, and they're very small they're fresh and you can just rock them and be like oh god bring your peace to them bring your peace god bring your peace and as they calm down you can thank god thank you god for your peace thank you god for your love so that as your baby begins to calm down and listen to your voice they're also learning that this moment of saying safety is is with you but it's also with God. Um so frame everything from uh, praying for them before they go to bed and inviting God into their dreams with them. Frame everything. Treat God as if he is in the room and you can talk to him about everything. And the third thing is to facilitate their expression to God without you in the middle. Whether it is them singing to God, whether it's them dancing, it will look short. Um just be aware with under fives, they're like completely checked out. And then all of a sudden they have this great moment with God and then they're back. I remember being in worship with under fives and we'd have flags just because it was that kind of church. And and I would watch a kid walk up and we taught them that, you know, you don't pick up a flag unless you're, you're telling God something. And he would pick up this flag and go, yay, God. And he'd wave it like twice. Yay, God. And then he'd throw it on the ground and walk away. And then he would come back, you know, 10 minutes later, pick it up. Yay, God, love you. And then put it back down and walk away. And for for me, that was genuine worship. That was a moment where he thought, I want to tell God something and I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to say it and I'm going to walk away. And you will notice that with kids, whether it's that, whether it's that in the time that you're doing prayers, they're squiggly, 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 squiggly. And then for two seconds, Seconds, They're just peaceful and calm. And then they're squiggly again. And that's okay. That is a moment of connection. Um, and that is beautiful. So expect that they are having a relationship do lots of framing for them so they can they can learn the words and they can understand the reality of what's happening around them whether or not they have regained those words you will begin to frame for them this is the reality of God with you and three facilitate their genuine expression no matter how short it is because because they are doing that for themselves and you can create opportunities for them before we move on to the wild card section, I just wanted to mention we did that Facebook Live where we talked about how to answer your kids' questions. And I promised that I would be answering those questions in the podcast as we go on. And I realized I can't cram it all into each podcast. So, what we're going to do is we're going to do a one off special of how to answer kids' questions using the questions that you all uh, typed in as we were doing the Facebook Live. So, watch out for that. It'll be a special extra podcast that will pop up very soon, as soon as I I can get my brain on about it. So woohoo! And now for the wild card section. So for a wild card section, we're doing a bit of a wild card in that Uh, I don't tend to go down the route of talking about something specific like a movie or a thing. I'd rather sort of equip you how to think about it for yourselves because you're wise and powerful people in the lives of your kids. Uh, But I thought uh, just for a moment we'd discuss the movie Coco because it is uh, sort of one of many movies that comes out around Halloween. And I thought I'd get my friend Ellie's insight into this because she's quite wise and I appreciate her. Input. She always makes me think. Ellie is a parent. She is vastly experienced in youth and children's ministry. And she's the author of the book called Blended, a call to reimagine our church family, rethinking how we can be church together. So uh, I did a phone interview with her. Now, you may agree with us. You may disagree with us. You may like some things and think we're totally off the rails on other things. That's good because... It doesn't really matter what we think. What matters is that we're poking you to figure out what you think. So uh, feel free to like, dislike, or uh, completely dismiss uh, what we're about to discuss. But I just thought I'd throw a movie on the table and uh, let you participate in a conversation around what it means for us as Christian parents. Uh, Okay, so this is my friend Ellie. Ellie,
0: could you introduce yourself to everybody? Hi, I'm Ellie. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, what you do you want me to this. say do you want to say, do you want me to like just say hi no, you, tell you them a say? bit about yourself it's so, it is so weird not being able to read your face <laughs> this is bizarre um this may be your last phone interview. anyway so <laughs> hi i'm ellie i am um, i head up a kids and youth ministry in um romilly uh for a church called st chad's i'm a mum of a gorgeous little miracle called lucy she turned three on friday Um, wife to um, my lovely hubby, Paul. And we have a house rabbit just to add to the craziness of our life. So uh, Ellie, we are, uh,
1: welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. Thank you. Uh, You are welcome. Uh, We are talking about today, uh, the movie Coco, but sort of in general, what it, what it is about uh, and what it brings up about the afterlife. Because the movie Coco, if you don't know, is a Pixar movie, so therefore it's going to be excellent because it's Pixar. And it is uh, a movie about... Essentially, the Day of the Dead. The, 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 well, growing up in Southern California, I always knew it was the Mexican Day of the Dead, uh, but I think it, it sort of extends more across Latin America, uh, which is a sort of celebration of your ancestors and those that are dead that have gone before you uh, and usually have a shrine to them. You pray for them and uh, it, they sort of get to come back, visit you. And so it's this story of this boy uh, in wanting to honor his ancestors and find out his about his ancestors and magically somehow he gets sucked away into the afterlife in which he meets all of his relatives and their skeletons and he engages with them and he gets trapped and he can't get back unless he gets their blessing and it's a big adventure and it's sort of about him learning how to honor and love his ancestors and he eventually comes back to life. Yeah. And I find it. Thank you. Thank you. And I find it fascinating because initially when I looked at it, it was just a bunch of People, it was a bunch of skeletons and him dying and going and hanging out in the afterlife of skeletons. And I was like, nope, which is so sad because it's Pixar. So I was really sad. I was conflicted about it. And, uh, this is my friend Ellie and Ellie, uh, can see God in anything which I absolutely adore and love and so was fascinated to think about what she thinks about um about these movies sort of at this Halloween time we have a lot of movies about ghosts and about afterlife and about all sorts of things and how do we as parents sort of engage with that uh or do we engage with that or as Christian parents should we shut that down uh so yeah so Ellie I have a question for you then go for it um do you feel that movies about the afterlife that do not have a Christian theology of the afterlife is that something that we as parents should avoid for the sake of clarity for our kids, or is that something we should engage with, or does it depend on the movie?
0: I think, um, I think it can definitely depend on the movie, and it can depend on the kid, um, and it can depend on their age, but I, um, I come from the attitude that God is bigger than anything that could come against him or my family or my child or her faith. Um, And I want to be fearless in how I raise Lucy and the kids within the ministry I run to to be fearless too, Uh, which means that sometimes I make choices to... I think expose would be the wrong word, but to introduce ideas that some people would rule out. Because I think actually our kids are sophisticated beings who can comprehend faith and God because he's real to them and also learn about other stuff. So I found Coco fascinating because I didn't know anything growing up in England. The Day of the Dead is just not a part of what we understand of um a religious experience, I guess. It's not a religion um, or a, um, a faith base that I'd been exposed to. So to watch this film, I learnt a lot. was unsure whether I would think I would want her to see Coco. Um, I think where she's at right now, lots of skeletons would be a little bit freaky, so I would pick for her not to watch it because of the visuals. But the content, the idea of using a story to learn about something that actually people believe in is really important. I want her to understand other people's perspectives. I want to grow her empathy, but I also want to grow her knowledge base of what other people believe, because that's the best way she's going to love people that she meets by showing them the respect of knowing a little bit about their religion.
1: That's fascinating because I, I, when I was watching it, I never once thought oh, this is an interesting cultural exploration of a different religion. Not once. I, I love that, that view. That's something I, I hadn't brought out. Uh, and uh, uh, that's a, a new insight for me, I think. So do you feel one – so it sounds to me that one day you will be like, yeah, I think, I think my kid's ready for Coco. Is that something that you think would, would be Absolutely. part of your journey?
0: I think there is a big difference between being protected and being equipped. So right now, I would protect Lucy from a vast number of things. But as she gets older, I want to move from protecting her, especially protecting her by excluding her, and move towards equipping. So how can I equip her um, to watch a film that she's not ready for because she's at a friend's house? Or how can I equip her to meet someone face-to-face who's as passionate about their God as she is about her God? um actually I love film I love using those things and which often are part of the we exclude it to protect um actually I think we can use it wisely to equip
1: I love hearing your view because you come at it so uh thought out my my approach was uh (laughs) At first I was like, because uh, my kid, uh, we, we focus a lot on what you let in your brain. And and uh, and so he was like, I really want to watch it. And I'm like, I'm not sure. Um, sometimes because of the images, but more for me, it was the 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 alternative narrative of the afterlife. And my question was, have I laid out a good enough theological a basis for the understanding of the afterlife in his life that he can compare and contrast in a way that isn't confusing for him because essentially the the i know the day of the dead is more syncretic than this in terms of more you know sort of woven into you know the catholic understanding of saints that have gone on before us and so i i know there's more nuance than this but in essence in the movie the day of the dead was godless in terms of an afterlife that didn't in any way reference God. It was an afterlife minus God, um, which was a fascinating. And so that was the approach we took because I watched it and it's a really charming movie. And so (laughs) I was like, all right, you're of an age that, and I don't think it's pushing any fear buttons in you. And it hasn't, you know, there's, there hasn't been any nightmares or anything, but for me, it was, it was having the conversation of, is this what happens when we die? Um, Cause you know, after, if nobody remembers you, then you disappear forever. And is that important that we remember who died before us? And, and do we owe anything to the people who are, who are dead? And there's, there was so much of this, this sort of conversation of our relationship between us and the people who died and what is their experience of the afterlife and who is God and all of that, that it it opened up a really interesting conversation for us, um, but I didn't. don't think I even mentioned very much about the modern practice of the day of the dead. So I'm going to go back and have that conversation with the kid because that was an excellent insight. Right, so we don't like sending you away without having something to do with your kid. So we like to do a thing where we give you a question to start an interesting conversation with your child. And this qu- week's question is... Did Jesus ever make a mistake? Or is a mistake the same as a sin? I did a really interesting uh, experiment with kids where I found where I asked, do you think Jesus ever spilt his milk? And the, the answers were fascinating. So have a good conversation. Poke around and see what do they think about Jesus and mistakes.